Welcome to The Haley Rowe Show. I'm a feel-good habits coach dedicated to helping you reach new levels of health, happiness, and high performance. Please visit www.haleyrowe.com for show notes. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for coming back to The Haley Rowe Show. I really appreciate anyone who listens to this show. And today we're going to dive into part two of my interview with Danny Thompson. And in this episode, we're going to cover things like small habits that have made a big impact on Danny's health, signs of overexercising, the difference between men and women when it comes to training needs, and how women can plan our training around our cycle. Very interesting. And a few different other things from Danny, like the three most impactful exercises, etc. So let's get right into it. Thank you again for listening. If you love the show, please leave a review on iTunes and uh, tell me you did it so I can thank you personally. What about how do we know if we are working out too much versus if we're just being a baby and and we're just sore and we should power through anyways? That's such a great question because. I think all of that, it really centers on, on self-awareness, right? And, and really just keeping it real with yourself. So if we get to the point where we're waking up every day and we're super sore and we don't have energy to do regular day-to-day tasks and we just kind of have like even like this brain fog or like this chronic level of low fatigue, like that's a, a severe sign of overtraining, Right. Whereas if we're just finding excuses to not go and we're kind of just finding every other reason like, oh, I'm too busy or, you know, I'm just too you know sleepy, tired, whatever it may be. I think there is a fine line between those two. But I think it all comes down with the person just keeping it real with themselves. Like I feel like most of us know when we're making an excuse or when something is, uh, you know, if our body's really telling us that we need to slow down and relax. Yeah. One of my new favorite things or sayings is asking yourself if it's a need of the body or a need of the mind, meaning is the excuse that you're making because your body is physically like, let's say you're like, I'm starving. I need to eat right now. Are you physically hungry or is it just a mental thing that you feel like chewing on something or same with working out? Are you, is your body extremely sore? And you, like you said, you don't feel like doing day to day regular movement or is your mind just saying I want to go home and sit on the couch and watch my favorite tv show so I, uh, I I've been using that a little bit to start figuring out if I'm just cheating myself and being whiny or if I actually need to listen to my body so I actually like that uh that way of looking at it a lot thanks so my next question is when you have a day where you don't feel like doing something what do you do to get yourself motivated and stay on track oh man that's all yeah and I still do go through that as active as I am and you know as much as I I try to do the right thing and what I do is I always just connect back to like why I'm doing it in the first place and like why it's important for me so like for me I want to I want to feel good for as long as possible like I'm hoping I'm you know 95 and I'm still on the golf course and you know, having a great time and being able to move. So whenever I connect to like my deeper why, it always gives me the motivation to kind of push back across short term 
angst that I might have and continue to move forward anyways. And that doesn't mean that, yeah. And that doesn't mean, you know, I have to go in the gym and, and crush it for, for an hour and a half, two hours, like, you know, when I was a college football player, but that means that, okay, you know, I might be like really sore. I might've had something planned for like a big, you know, power workout. And maybe I didn't get good sleep the night before and I, my body doesn't feel ready. But instead of not doing anything, then I'll go and I'll work on my mobility or I'll go ahead and I'll get some foam rolling in. I'll get some type of self-care in instead, something that's pretty much going to help my body, you know, regenerate and recover. So then I can get to that workout either the next day or the day after. Ah, I love that. And and so if we don't get enough sleep, let's say we had a rough night of sleep, we got maybe five hours. Do you think that we should work work out the next day or should we do something more mobility based or um yoga or whatever because what if we always get five hours of sleep should we just never start working out what do you think yeah that's a great question that brings to mind one of my uh colleagues he's almost like a he's like a mentor to me uh, john sinclair with uh, the institute of motion he has this concept that he uses you know workouts versus work ins and a workout is when we're expending a lot of energy and, you know, we're, we're putting a lot on the gym floor or on the field, wherever we may be. Whereas a work in is something that actually helps us regain energy, right? And gives us some, uh, some invigoration. And on those days where, you know, say we wake up, we only got five hours of sleep, we're super tired. We just put in 10 hours at the office, like cortisol is super high right now. And to go in and try to do, you know, like a CrossFit type workout or something very intense, you're just beating yourself up more, adding more cortisol. So it's like, okay, this is the time that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get a work in, whether that is just a nice long walk out in nature or it's some type of, um, you know, more gentle type of yoga or meditation. That's going to help the body come back and, and let that, you know, that nervous system rest. And give us what we need so we can perform at a high level, not only in the gym the next day, but, you know, at the workplace and our family lives, whatever it may be. Definitely. I love that. What about when it comes to women and men? How do we differ when it comes to fat loss, where we store fat in particular, and how our training might want to be different? If, if anything, maybe we don't want it to be different, but tell me what you think about that. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, where most women and most men store their fat is different. So, you know, a lot of women, it's in their triceps and their upper back um, and their their glutes and things like that, where they have, you know, a lot of extra fat. And then mostly men, we have extra fat. We usually store it like in our midsection, like by our love handles and around that way. So, in those ways, our, our bodies are a little bit different. In terms of the training styles, and I've just started learning more about this recently, um, you know, obviously women have menstrual cycles, and depending on where they are in their menstrual cycle can have a profound impact on how they're training or how they should be training, right? So meaning, you know, if they're in, you know, that beginning phase, you know, that's where they can go after that harder anaerobic training, um, high intensity, things of that nature, and their body is going to react fine to that. Whereas once they get a little bit closer to, you know, say ovulation or they're in that like luteal phase, the body 
is automatically going to start storing um, a little bit more water and, you know, becoming a little bit more bloated. But even more than that, you know, the collagen fibers like in their ligaments change as well. And what happens is now they're a little bit more susceptible to, you know, certain like ACL type injuries. So women already have wider hips naturally. So that's why sometimes women, when you see them squat, you'll see that valgus knee collapse, which just means their knee is falling inside as they're lunging or as they're squatting, things of that nature. And if they're trying to do a high impact, say plyometrics or something like that, where there's a lot of jumping and landing and, or cutting involved, the science shows that, you know, they could be more susceptible to those type of injuries. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of studies, uh, some coming from out of Australia and some other different places that really dig into that. And to me, that was that was like, you know, a game changer because I work with a lot of female athletes and understanding where they are, you know, during that cycle is going to have, you know, somewhat of an impact on, on what type of training we do. Now, sometimes it's it's unavoidable because, you know, if there's sport, if there's a game, it's not like they're just not going to play in their game because they're on their period. I mean, that's not realistic, but when they do know they're like that, it's like, okay, they need to take a a more mindful approach to how they're warming up their body, what their form is like, things of that nature, just to set them up for more success. And obviously men don't have that problem. So that's definitely a big way that, you know, training can be different for men and women. Yeah, that that was great. I I really didn't know about the change in your collagen. Right, around like, you know, the ligaments and the joints. Very cool. Now, you've been on this journey for quite a while. Tell me a little bit about any times of setbacks you've had. Has there been any times where you've regained the weight that you've lost? Um, times of doubt? Tell me that it's not just you started improving and you just kept improving and now here you are, you're just this awesome trainer with these awesome testimonials on your website. Tell me about the kind of rough points of the journey so we know you're not a robot and how can we deal with those things? How did you overcome those things? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's funny now that I look back when, um, you know, when I first lost all that weight after, you know, I adapted that new way of eating, I was I was purposely taking myself out of situations so I could have success, right? Meaning I wasn't going out as much. Um, you know, I was turning down like opportunities to hang out with friends and family because I would be afraid of certain food or, you know, being pressured to drink or something like that. And I remember, you know, I looked really good, but like one day, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my house like a Saturday night at like 1130. I'm looking around. I'm all by myself. I'm like, Danny, what are you doing right now? Like, it wasn't a healthy, um, you know, social balance. Like my social life like, kind of went down the drain. It was non-existent. And I kind of realized that, you know what, that wasn't the answer either. So I kind of had to think like, okay, how can I find a better balance? And, you know, what ended up happening was I kind of gave myself more space to not, not necessarily mess up, but to go out and just be human. You know what I'm saying? Like if I wanted to go out and have a drink, you know, I would go out and have a drink, but I wouldn't go guilt myself after, which I a lot of people, you know, we go through. It's like we might do something that's negative or bad, but then we add more negativity by guilting ourselves. And, you know, all the negative self-talk comes in, whether we call ourselves stupid or how can we have done this or why did I do that? And we start lamenting it. 
you know, it can create this whole negative cycle. So I feel like that was like the first time where I saw like, you know, I'm moving in the right direction, but then I was still moving in the wrong direction. And that's somewhere where I looked like, okay, here's a time I can go ahead and I can adjust. And, you know, even deeper into that, it's like, now I'm not a really a big drinker anymore. Like if I want to drink, I will. But there was times where I didn't even notice. I would go out and I would drink, not because I wanted to, but because, you know, I didn't want other people to feel awkward. Because I don't know if you ever had this experience where you kind of go out and you're not drinking. It's kind of like, well, why aren't you drinking? Well, you're too, too healthy to this, too healthy to that. And I was kind of like falling into that a little bit, like, like, damn, am I really making these people feel that uncomfortable? And I was like, you know what, fine, then I'll just drink or I'll just do whatever. And I realized over time, like now I'm doing stuff more so because I'm trying to please somebody else instead of, you know, doing it for me. Because I feel like anything we do, especially we're trying to help others, like we have to start with ourselves and make sure we're in a good place. And eventually I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter if other people feel uncomfortable. Like I have no control over that. Like, you know, that's on them. And then now if I go do something, I, I do it or I don't do it because, because I want to. And that's how I feel rather than looking for like validation from somebody else. And that's kind of the point that I'm at now. And ever since I had that, like, man, I have so much, <laughs> so much more really just like mental clarity with like everything I do because I'm just being myself. Amen. I totally agree with you there. I feel like that is a, a true journey that anybody going on a health journey goes through where there's a point where you're like, oh, how do I handle this in public situations? Because I'm not the same person who I used to be as far as my habits go. And, you know, it is, it is, I, I just really love the different stages that you mentioned because I think that's so true. You go through a phase where you're like, well, I guess I'll just avoid it because I, I don't want to have to deal with that. And then you get to a point where you're like, well, that's not fun. And then you go and you try to, you know, kind of find a, a spot of balance. Um, but then you get to a point, like you said, where you're doing it because you don't want other people to feel weird and you want to keep your friends, but you don't really want to do drink or, or do whatever. So I think it just takes practice, I guess, and sticking to being yourself, like you said, and when you have more peace of mind, and you feel like you're being your best self, hopefully your friends will appreciate that and also benefit from you being just a happier, more zen person. For sure, absolutely. And, I, and it's so funny, I've had a uh... Because I have a lot of friends who, because I went to school in D.C., I went to Georgetown, and a lot of my friends live in, you know, New York, or they're in Cali, they're in all different places. So the only things that they really see are, like, the things I put on on Instagram, right? Yeah. And, you know, to me, social media is, like, obviously, that's, like, our highlight reel. Like, for most people, like, that's when we're only putting out, like, you know, the stuff that most people, we just want them to see. So it would be funny where... You know, I go on a vacation and we go on a trip and I would be with all all my boys or my homegirls, whoever it may be. And, you know, we go to eat somewhere and I grab something. And first thing someone would say is like, like, yo, that's not organic. That's not great. Said. And I'm just like and I look at him like, nah, you're right. Like, I'm not perfect. And one of the things I kind of been running with now is like, you know, I tell people 
all the time. I'm not the food Jesus. Like everything I do is not perfect. It's not going to be a hundred percent. Right. And, but I'm okay with that. Right. Because I had been on the other side where I was trying to do everything, you know, quote unquote, perfectly and a hundred percent. And, you know, for me, that wasn't the right balance either. So when people, like you said, are kind of living their life, kind of how they want to do it, you know, there's just so much more, more freedom there. And, you know, a lot more really just sense of like, self-worth really I completely agree too that it can flip around on you once you start being healthy and then you do something unhealthy when you're around people who know you they're like what are you doing you don't eat that (laughs) so it it can backfire but um okay so basically takeaway tips as far as peer pressure goes and just being yourself what what would you say are just a few takeaway tips for people who feel stuck right now and they feel like they're either isolating themselves or they are sabotaging themselves because they're just doing it because of peer pressure. I would say the first thing is just just be yourself, you know, whatever that means for you, whatever, whatever makes you happy, whatever you like to do, whatever really just gives you energy, like just do more of those things. And if you can't, if the people you're currently around don't respect that or, you know, they, they give you a hard time about that. No, that's fine. You can't control that, but you can control the type of situations you put yourself in and, you know, try to find a community who is more about the things that you like. And that's why I love like the Bulletproof community or I just went on this trip called Runga. Um, Joe DiStefano, he is he works high up with Spartan Race and he put this whole trip together. And that just gave me a great experience of just being around people who are about a lot of the same things that I am and they've been through a lot of similar experiences or they're trying to get to similar places and you kind of have that aha moment or just like me and I'm not alone and I'm not stuck it's just going to find those places and 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 immersing yourself in those type of cultures yeah okay so it cut out a little bit but basically what you said is finding people who are like-minded and you go to you went to that retreat that health retreat where people you were like, had an aha moment that people are similar to you. And that's what I love too, about going to conferences and kind of wellness meetups or events, because you do kind of feel like, I guess if you're in your, I live in the Midwest and, um, you know, a lot of people aren't as cutting edge into health and wellness as when I lived in LA. And so when I go to it, I'm like, Oh, okay, I'm not crazy. Oh my gosh, look at all these people who are just like me. And it, you feel so happy. You just feel so, I don't know what it is, but it's very uplifting. And also I notice at those events, I, I'm looking at these people around me and, and they are so inspiring. And I'm like, Whoa, I thought I was intense. These people are truly amazing and I can learn from them so I think you have to surround yourself with people who are inspiring and uplifting and actually make you want to be better and do more and you know have higher standards for yourself because that can be a game changer yeah absolutely just like you said like it's like environment is everything like the people that you surround yourself with the type of foods you're eating everything like all that has to do with environment and however best you can control your environment to make it in a way that supports and affirms everything that you want to do, it makes it so much easier to have success. Because if you're looking around and 
you're the only one doing a certain thing, you're like, well, damn, no one else is doing this. So like, am I doing the right thing? Because, you know, sometimes we look and we want to kind of do what everyone else is doing and keep up with the Joneses and things like that. So when you do put yourself in a nice situation where, like you said, you see, you find other people who are just, you know, smarter than you, or they, they know more about a certain thing that you're trying to learn about, or they're just doing it at a high level. Like it's so gratifying. And that's really what you can too came from. Like I would see people doing these certain things. and I'd be like, damn, like if that person can do it, you can too. Like almost just talking to myself. So it's, it's really, really powerful when you kind of put yourself in that, that mindset and, and try to really just take control of your environment in that way. Yeah. So you can too is the name of your business, your fitness business. And you came up with it because it was kind of like a little amount, a little affirmation when you realize that not everybody is naturally gifted. Yeah, it was kind of like, just like you said, it's an affirmation. It's like a, a belief because a lot of times in my own life, I would, I would literally, I would overestimate everyone else's abilities and I would underestimate my own. And I would see that with, with a ton of people. It was just like, man, we, we would talk about all these other people, how great they were and how what they're doing was so amazing. But it would be like, ah, I, I could never do that. I can't do that. And my whole thing is like, you can do that. You know what I mean? Like, there's not really much that separates us from most other people. You know, we may not have the same resources or, you know, the same network or things like that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if he or she can do something, you can too. But it's just having that mindset like that you can achieve it rather than it being, you know, too big. I love that. Yeah. Do you ever have any fear regarding losing the progress you've made? Or what are some of your current challenges or fears today? Yeah, my, my biggest thing is probably just my fear is, you know, gaining some type of success. And then not doing all the small things that got me there to keep it. Because I've been through that. Even like this past year, um, you know, early 2017, you know, new year, you know, new aspirations come up. And I built up my practice like like really well, fully booked and everything was going great. But it was because I was doing all the little things before I got busy, like making sure I was using my calendar, uh, making sure I was reaching out to people, checking in with people you know, just having those, those good conversations. And then once I got real busy from doing those small things, I literally completely got away from all the small things. And then I, out of nowhere, I wasn't as busy and, you know, I wasn't doing the type of work that, you know, energizes me. And now that 2018 is here, you know, I see that I'm starting out fast again, just be my authentic self, really getting after it. Things are getting, you know, my time's getting much more occupied. I'm working with a lot more inspiring people, helping people. And it's because I'm doing all the small things. So it's like really just being aware of that and making sure I keep doing all these little things that are really important to me so that I can continue to do all the work that I love to do. That is so true. Consistency. And people think a lot of times once you get to the destination of whatever you were trying to achieve that you can just back off, but it's an ongoing yeah. journey. I wish I could say that you could just relax once you get there, but <laughs> you can't. It's funny too, like in terms of when I think about like, you know, like my body goals and things like that, I don't really trip over those too much anymore because I'm at a point now where 
I'm truly accepting myself and everything that I'm doing right now, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually is because I want to just, it's because I love myself and I love my body and I, and I love all the things it's capable of doing as opposed to before the things that I was doing was because I didn't think I was good enough or I didn't like how my body looked and, you know, I wasn't getting effective results that way. So I don't really have those fears because either way I've accepted myself now. And I think self-acceptance is, is huge for, for anybody. I agree. I think it's really hard to create progress when you're coming at it from a place of fighting yourself and, and not being kind to yourself in the way you speak to yourself. I mean, you're just making things so much more difficult. And I think people fear actually being kind to themselves and accepting themselves because then they think I can't improve with that mindset. I need to be hard on myself and I need to, you know, otherwise I won't change. So what would you, what would you say to that? Yeah, I would say that we we have to celebrate our victories and acknowledge our victories as we get them. Because if we don't acknowledge these victories and we don't celebrate them and we're always looking forward to the next thing, it's almost impossible to have a sense of fulfillment because you're not checking off any boxes. And I think too often times we're always so forward thinking that we're always on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, instead of actually looking back and being like, damn, like, you know, I accomplished a lot. You know, I, I did a great thing. I set out to do something. I did it. And like being present in that moment and celebrating. Totally. I mean, it puts you in a state of joy or you're building momentum and so when you're in that state you kind of want to keep it there and keep doing what got you to where you are today exactly most definitely and then I don't know tell me what your thoughts are on this but you know I came up in a way where it was like you you weren't really it was almost seen as selfish to like celebrate your victories or do different things like I could think just on the football field I would have football coaches always say, say you make a big play. It's like, all right, just get back to the huddle. Act like you've been there before. Or like if someone scores a touchdown, it's like, you know, just hand the ball back to the referee. Act like you've been there before. And it's like, you know, if you're not having fun and you're not (laughs) celebrating the big thing that you just did, then it's like, why are you even doing it? Yeah, definitely. It's same thing with what you said when you were really fit and you were looking really good but you were feeling lonely and you were by yourself and you had nobody to celebrate with. And, and that's, that's kind of goes with the same message of you have to celebrate your wins and, and create an approach that l- creates long-term happiness and not kind of misery or <laughs> that's un- unsustainable, I guess. Absolutely. Amen to that. Well, speaking of small habits, what would you say are three, because you said you like to do uh, the little you want to keep doing the little things that brought you to where you are today. But what would you say are three small specific habits that have made a big impact on your overall health? As funny as this may sound, I, the biggest one I found this past year has been just making my bed in the morning. Woo! Like, yeah, like I make my bed in the morning every day, and it's like every morning I just started with like a victory. And it had, like, looking over, like, the past year, like, it's had such a big, like, downstream effect on other little micro goals that I had. It's like, okay, I made my bed. Now let me go ahead in and get my water with my vitamin C and, and sea salt in it. And it just compounds easily that way. 
So like just having an easy goal like that, like making the bed every day and seeing the consistency there can just apply to like any other thing that someone's trying to do. So that would probably be the, the first one and most simple one. The second one is just utilizing a calendar. Um, a lot of us, you know, we live busy lives. We have a lot of things to do. And for me now, when I put something in the calendar, it gets done. You know, if it's not in my calendar, like I easily forget about it or I keep putting it to the next day, to the next day, to the next day. And it just never gets done. So ever since I started utilizing my calendar, um, that's just the easy way for me to check things off. And I can see when it's coming up, when it's done, I can mark it as complete. And that's just like another just a bunch of small wins that happen throughout a day. I love that. Okay. I forgot to ask you this, but I really wanted to get your perspective on this selfishly a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on what kind of gym shoes should we have? I know it depends on the kind of workout, but let's say I, I mostly do strength training. Um, I go on walks, but maybe I need a different pair of shoes for that. I don't know. Tell me a little bit about gym shoes. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I go back and forth with this myself. Um, and I think it depends the situation, like you said. I personally, this is just how I look at it for myself. Like, I just started getting into more of like the barefoot, you know, wider toe box, um, like zero drop type of shoes. And most traditional shoes, as you see, like they have a very narrow toe box and it just like crushes all of our toes together. Like when I see women wearing heels, I'm just like, Yo, I don't know how they, how y'all do it. So just having like really good proper foot health is just a key indicator in everything else that we have to do because everything starts from the ground up. For me personally, I like to wear a brand called uh, Vivo Barefoot which is just like a, a minimalist type of shoe for the reasons that now my toes get to spread out more and I actually feel the sensation of the ground. Um, the only thing people have to be careful with is if they're not used to wearing that type of shoe, they have to gradually build into it because you try to do a bunch of box jumps and you know explosive movement or go outside and run with barefoot shoes and you're not used to it, well, you're not going to be walking <laughs> the next day. Like Your feet are going to be killing you. So... A, a tip that I actually got from Joe DiStefano, who is also a coach, is walking for 10,000 steps a day in the barefoot shoes, right? And if you get consistently that amount of walking in over time, your feet's going to get more used to it. And now you can start to apply it to, you know, the gym and working out and being explosive in like a more sustainable way. Mm. Yeah, but like any type of shoes that have like a ton of cushioning in them. Or there's like a big, you know, incline from the toe box up to where the heel is. Usually that's not going to have um, much of a benefit for us. And that kind of creates a lot of imbalances uh, in our feet and it just works its way up the chain. Okay. And are those grounding shoes? Just curious. Or they're just minimalist? Not necessarily grounding shoes. Like, but usually grounding shoes will have like the little like copper coil like at the bottom that that kind of allows you to ground and, and takes those electrons and puts it back into the earth. But um, anything that's like where your feet can really feel the ground is going to be beneficial to the feet because now it's sending good information to all those neurons that are at the bottom of our feet. Very good to know. Okay. And yeah, I've yet to enter the world of understanding grounding shoes. What about foam rolling? Are you a fan of foam rolling? Some people feel really strongly about it. I think it depends why they're doing it. I mean, I like to foam roll just to get my my tissue a little bit prepared to go move. 
Um, I don't think it, it's something where it's like a self massage where you're going to like severely like increase like your mobility and you're going to start taking out all these knots and things like that. I don't think it gives enough pressure, but I think as a means to like get your tissues and stuff warmed up before you start moving, I think it's very effective. Okay. So you'd foam roll before a workout. Yeah, I foam roll before a workout. Excellent. And if you could only pick three exercises to do for the rest of your life, what would you pick? I feel like that's like asking a parent like who his favorite kids are. <laughs> I would say for me, I would say deadlifting. So having good form, picking up heavy stuff off the ground. Um, that would be my lower body movement. I'd probably go pull-ups for my upper body movement. I think pull-up is just like, it's probably one of those exercises to do. Probably one of the most beneficial. And if I had to pick a third, I would say sprinting. I mean, I love just get outside and just like, just run like balls to the wall as hard as I can. So I would say sprinting, deadlifting, and pull-ups would be my three. I love that. Those those are good ones. And the uh, pull-ups definitely hit the core. I've noticed my abs hurt after doing pull-ups. Yeah, because when we talk about core, our core has so many different um, parts to it, right? So, like, people hear, like, core exercise, and the first thing they think of is, it's like a, a plank, right? So, like, a plank is just an example of anti-extension core, meaning we're trying not to let our body hyperextend, right? But you got anti-extension, and then pull-ups are more like anti-flexion. You're trying to pull yourself straight up right, without your body, like, falling back or without your chest coming forward. So that's why a lot of times people are hanging like that, they're doing those pull-ups and they feel it in their core, is because by minimizing that swing, right, you work on an anti-flexion um, aspect of core. And there's anti-lateral flexion, there's diagonal patterns, like, there's so much that goes into it. So I think something that would benefit people, too, is just looking deeper at all the different types of core not only exercises there are, but just core functionalities that there are. Yeah, and and you used to be on a football team, right? You said you were an NCAA Division One athlete in college. Yep. So how do you keep yourself getting out of your comfort zone and pushing yourself athletically when you no longer have a coach coaching you or a team? What what's some mind tricks that we can use to push ourselves a little bit more? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a I'm a big proponent of if someone can do it is finding like just a, a gym partner and somebody who's more advanced than they are. So I'm lucky in the sense that I work out of a gym where there's a bunch of coaches there. We're all independent contractors and we're all like super cool with each other and we all have different strengths. So we'll set up workouts with each other where, you know, I might set up a workout that's really challenging for my boy, Marty. But then Marty might set up a workout that's going to be challenging for me and CJ and Andy or whatever it may be. So surrounding yourself or getting like a really solid gym partner is a good way to do it. And then if not, I would say also just like throw yourself into different classes, like try just different forms of training, something where it's going to be structured and somebody's going to be giving you instruction. But now this way you get to take like your own thinking out of it and all you got to do is show up. That is true. I on my lazy days, I go to a class because I want somebody to tell me what to do. 
what about as far as like sabotaging ourselves in the gym or mindset? Because I want to just quickly say when I was younger, I was a theater girl. I was always singing and in choir. And so sports and anything physical was not natural for me. It felt really weird and I didn't know anything about it. But now I think my mindset has shifted to where I kind of consider myself or like talk to myself like an athlete. And even though I'm not, and I'm very bad at sports still, (laughs) I do like to approach like working out in a fun way as like I'm an athlete and I'm working towards certain goals in the gym. And so tell me about how mindset how you see clients sabotaging themselves mindset wise and what you usually do to help them. Yeah. I see a lot of what I see is people trying to compare themselves to other people in the gym. So they might see somebody doing a certain exercise and that person might be really advanced and being like, I could never do that. And from there they kind of go into this like self-defeating mindset where it's like, okay, I can't go do that thing. So I can't do anything. So I think not really comparing, making sure we're not comparing ourselves to others that are in the gym is key. Also, it's just like, just have fun, like have a beginner's mind, even if you don't know how to do something or if it's something that's completely new, like have fun with it. And they go in there with that type of mindset that working out is more like play than like some super structured, like, I don't know, like super structured, like work type of activity you know, have some fun, like create some space around it and just enjoy the moment rather than trying to take it so serious. Definitely. How old do you think we should be when we start, quote unquote, working out? Like working out like weight training with weights? Yeah. I think people can start as young as elementary school age. Like I have, I've had athletes that I've worked with who are in, you know, third, fourth grade and they're doing resistance training, but they're doing it intelligently. So like they're moving their body properly. They have great form. And then, you know, if they can lift something up, they can lift something up. You know, I always think it's funny how a lot of times people think, you know, oh, kids shouldn't lift weights because it's going to stunt their growth. But like, that's like saying you're going to stunt your kid's growth if you have them go bring grocery bags from the car or if they have to lift them up off the ground, like you're going to stunt their growth. Like it doesn't work that way. So as long as there's like good form and people are, are getting taught the right things, like, man, they can start super early. Okay. One more little question for you. You're a high performer. And so I want to shift gears a little bit and talking about just your habits and, and what you do in your lifestyle. Do you have any little strange, bizarre mindset sayings, habits, techniques that just you do and most people wouldn't know and you think contributes to your success oh for sure so i do a lot of um i do a lot of meditating now so i'll i'll sit down and i'll just and i have different forms of meditation that i do but man meditating meditating has allowed me to gain so much more awareness like in my day-to-day life and i remember at first like i didn't want to meditate because i was like i don't know how to do that like, i can't sit there be still and, and not move and not think and all these different things. So I just wouldn't do it. And then actually through our, our bulletproof coaching training, um, I remember Rod, I think it was Rod or somebody gave an example of like, you know, meditating. It's not 
sitting there with blank thoughts, like we're always going to have thoughts come up. And where the rep comes in is where every time we lose our concentration, right, it's always noticing it and then just coming back to the breath. And he used the analogy of like basketball where it's like, you know, every time you're playing basketball, every time you're at the free throw line and you take a shot, like that's a rep. And the more shots you take, the better you get at shooting. And it's that's how I approach my meditations. Like every time my mind wanders, I just come right back to my breath. Right. And then wanders again, I come back. So I keep getting those constant reps every day. And then now I see it in my day to day life where, you know, if I'm running from one client to another or I'm scrambling around my house trying to clean and cook all at the same time, like I'll feel the anxiety come up and then I'll stop. I'll laugh at it for a second and then I'll just get a nice good breath in and everything slows down. And that's whether I'm getting anxious, I'm getting mad, you know, whatever it may be. So I think, yeah, not a lot of people know that I meditate pretty often. Yeah, it is a practice and it does teach you to pause more in everyday life versus being extremely reactive, anxious versus being reflective or mindful about it. How reactive are we all the time, right? I know. That's crazy. Now, do you track anything? Do you track your um, food? Do you track your meditations? Do you use an app to help you meditate? What, what do you use in life that re- involves tracking? Yeah, so it's funny. So I track my sleep every night. I have um, the Sleep Cycle app. And that's free, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one's free. That way you can get on um, you know, on the App Store. I'm pretty sure they have it for Android as well. But, you know, I love that because it kind of gives me an idea of how restful my sleep was. And I try to kind of correlate, correlate that somatically with how I'm feeling that morning. So that's something I do um, every day. Um, and then now I'm just starting to get back into my, uh, my HRV heart rate variability training. So basically just getting an idea of how my heart rate is changing as I'm doing different types of workouts. So it's kind of like, um, like, you know, or you, you guys have orange theory, right? In Chicago, I'm sure. Yeah. Kind of like how orange theory, how they have them on the monitors and they're seeing where their heart rate is. Um, I like to do that with my own exercises to kind of see, okay, does this get my heart rate up really high? Okay, cool. So I'm going to use that for this specific day. Or if I want to stay within a certain range, you know, I'm going to make sure I take this amount of a break between each set or whatever I'm doing. So I just started getting back into that. And then um, I actually just ordered the new Aura Ring. It tracks your sleep. Your um, Does it track your heart rate variability as well? Heart rate variability. It assesses. Um, your readiness for each day, which uh, I'm really excited to kind of get into because I want to see how they base my readiness score and how that correlates to like how I actually feel. Because sometimes we get too caught up in what the technology says instead of listening to like our own intuition. So I want to kind of try to see if I can find that balance and, and see what that looks like. Yeah. Okay. And it bases physical readiness. Like it's a kind of saying, Oh, you should be really active today or not? Pretty much, yeah. Basically, it gives you the green light, like, okay, like you can get after, you can have one of those harder type of workouts or whatnot. Or I might say, like, say you had a couple days, you didn't get good sleep or you didn't get enough hours or whatever it may be, your heart rate variability is off. It'll basically say, like, okay, you need to slow down today, maybe get some yoga in or just chill or get extra sleep, something like that. Very cool. Okay. And besides the aura, which you might, 
fall in love with and say that that would be your favorite investment. What is your best and most favorite investment you've ever made when it comes to your health and fitness? Hands down, my Blendtec blender. Oh. That thing, I, I probably got it like three years ago. And, you know, I have a pretty a pretty busy lifestyle. So sometimes if, if I'm running around, like that thing saves me all the time with like making really good quality shakes and smoothies and, you know, the consistency is great. You know, it's super powerful. And I've probably had it for like the last, probably going on like three years. I probably use like thousands of times. So that's by far my, my favorite investment. Nice. All right. Well, I love this. You have some great insight as far as fitness and health goes. And what about a little parting quote, belief, um, statement that you want to share with our audience? My biggest thing is just is get out of your own way. You know, at the end of the day, when you know most people aren't doing what they want to get done or their life's not going in the trajectory that they have, a lot of times we're just getting in our own way. You know, just be self-aware, see how are you stopping yourself, and then literally just just get out of your own way and make it happen. I love it. All right. Well, where can people find you if they want to get in touch, see your website? Yeah. So my website is youcan2.com and that's the number two. And you can find me on Instagram at Mr. You Can Two. So M-R-Y-O-U-C-A-N, the number two. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for the time and creating this space. You're awesome. Want to hear more shows? Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Get your free habits guide at HaleyRow.com. And remember that any advice given on the show does not substitute for medical advice from your healthcare professional. Talk to you guys soon.